Welcome back to the Morning Moxie show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host, and today we have Graham Cook on the show. And Graham is talking to us about patience and faith and resting in God and basically living the overcoming life. And I've found this out so much more in the past couple of years than I ever have in my adult life, and that is that faith is rest. And there's a quote in here that Graham Cook says, and he says, I have won more battles resting in the Lord than I have by practicing faith. And that is so amazingly true, because when we rest in the Lord, that's when God fights the battle for us. So many times we go out kicking and screaming and yelling and and praying out really loud and just, you know, and I'm not saying there's not times for that. But a lot of times when we're, when we're in that state is when we're actually living in fear and we're not really expecting God to move. We're trying to maybe perpetuate him to move, to get him to move by screaming and yelling and kicking and, you know, just going all at it and raising our voices. But God really wants us to know that he is fighting our battle for us and that he already has won the war. And for us to literally rest in that, to know that, because that's what really faith really is. Here's Graham. I was reading a biography of uh, J.C. Penney, and uh, his whole goal was, his, I loved his whole attitude and approach. He said, my goal in business is to tithe at 90%. Because I figure if God can live on 10%, so can I. <laughs> but here's the thing. This is his idea behind it, which I thought was totally Jesus. His whole idea behind it was, and if all my expenses are like this, then God has to give me, like, if I'm giving him 90%, then he has to cover all of my expenses. So if I'm tithing at 90%, he has to empower me to make more money than I can even imagine. This is a Selah moment. Pause and calmly think of that. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about the principle of life in God. You know? You can't outgive God. It's the best game in town, but you'll never win. But it is fun trying. We have to believe in the goodness of God for us. We have to believe that God is right in my story, right on my journey, and that He is absolutely with me in everything, and that whatever He orders, He pays for. Yeah? It's a good life. God has designed an upgrade, an upgraded track for us to walk on into the fullness of Jesus. So if you imagine again this whole journey thing, and <clears throat> what does that track look like? What are you going to put on that track? I want to have an express train on that track. 
I've been on a bullet train in Europe. I like it. You're going at 160 miles an hour. It is pretty cool. You get to where you're going right quick. I like bullet trains. Yeah, that's the track I want. I don't want to spend the whole of my life getting to some place that I could get to in 10 or 15 years. I want to get there now and enjoy it and make the enemy pay for everything in the process. In Matthew um, 16, this is that story where Jesus said, well, who do people say that I am? And, you know, the reports were, well, some say that you're Elijah or Ezekiel or, you know, John the Baptist, which is a little freaky because he was murdered a few months ago. So some people say, well, you're like a dead prophet or a recently dead prophet. That's really strange. And he's saying, well, so, but who do you say that I am? And, you know, half the disciples are like caught in the glare of, well, I think I know, but I don't want to sound stupid. (laughs) Peter just sticks his hand right up in the air. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Gets it right out before he can, his brain shuts down on him. (laughs) And Jesus just grins at him. And he says, you're right, and this is who you are. And he tells Peter his identity. And all the rest of the disciples are going, dang. I wish I'd been the first one, because I'd be getting that word right now. And then in the process of that, Jesus reveals what the church is really built on. It's built on a revelation of Jesus, so strong, so profound, that hell cannot stand against it. And in that context of the overcoming nature of God, He gives us keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose. And He will be with us in those moments to say, Graham, not that key, not that one, not not, not the other one, that one. Use that one and bind the enemy. Lock him away. Bind him up. And with that key, no, not that one, the, the big one, that's it. Unlock, loose this situation. And we get to learn about authority and power in that context, that whatever is bound in heaven can be bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven can be loosed on earth. Simple stuff. Hey, if it's loosed up there, it can be loosed down here. If there's no cancer in heaven, we can't allow cancer down here. Yeah, if it's not in heaven, it can't be down here. The principle of life in the Spirit, if it's not intended, it cannot be allowed. If it's not intended, it cannot be allowed. If God permits it, nothing can prevent it. And we stand midway between those two points, right in the middle of those two places. If God some pounds per square inch of pressure from the outside, peace is a thousand and one pounds of pressure on the inside to be still. All I can tell you in my own life is the, the Prince of Peace walked in one day 
and never left. So what if God wants you to be under the pressure of peace? What if He wants you to feel the joyful, wonderful pressure of being the beloved? What if faith is about the joy and the peace in believing? See, what we're doing here is we're learning to see things in a kingdom way. We're learning to see what this kingdom is really all about and why he's the king. I like the pressure of peace. I like the pressure of being happy. I like the fact that if I practice patience, the enemy comes under pressure. That's particularly thrilling. I like this key that the joy of the Lord is abundantly more powerful than any stress or pressure. So what if the answer to some situations is either to laugh out loud because God is good or to stand in the peace of God because He's peaceful? The real you is never stressed. The real you is learning to be peaceful. And whenever you practice the nature of God, the enemy gets a headache. Peace affects him. Joy affects him. Grace affects him. Faith scares him. Everything that God is for us is automatically effective against the enemy. I have won more battles by resting in the Lord than I have by exercising faith. I've won more battles in the faithfulness of God than by exercising authority. There's something about being in Jesus that has to become utterly magnificent for us. I think our difficulty in the church is that we're not astonished by who Jesus is. And I think, you know, the last big issue in the book of Acts was about dullness and astonishment. And it seems to me that if, if we're not practicing being astonished in who God is, then we become dull of hearing We've become dull, become gray, insipid in our responses. And then we're crying out for rescue because we don't know how to win. So all I'm doing this evening is setting the scene for battle. It's about the majesty and the sovereignty of Jesus. That was an amazing message by Graham Cook, and you can find that on YouTube if you look under The Overcoming Life One by Graham Cook. You can also find out more information about him at his website, which is brilliantperspectives.com. 
I encourage you to check that out. He's got so much teaching tapes, so many different teaching tapes and podcasts and books and all kinds of great information that will help you grow in your walk with Jesus. He's such a great teacher about renewing your mind and taking things captive. And so I encourage you to check him out and um, go to his website and I will see you again tomorrow. Remember to live a 320 life today more than you can imagine is what God does for us. Have a great day. God bless.